0: Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, Peter is going to answer the question, how does Social Security fit into my financial plan? Good morning, Peter, how are you? Hello, Eric, I'm great, how are you? Doing great, you sound fantastic. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> All right, uh, so we are talking about social security and I know that we have in the past a little bit but it sounds like you're going to be really focusing on that as the main topic today, is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. If if we think about a retirement plan as a if we think about it as a three-legged stool, mm-hmm. uh, I consider social security as the, as really the first leg. The second leg is your employer sponsored retirement plan and and your IRAs. And the third leg is really your just your personal non-retirement investments and, and savings. Gotcha. Okay. And I, I consider Social Security your ideal retirement plan. And I'll talk about this in more hmm. detail, but but it's guaranteed. It replaces a portion of your paycheck. And for most of our clients, it's 15% of it is tax-free at the federal level, and and many states don't tax it at all, so it's Mm tax-advantaged. It's paid for your lifetime. It increases with inflation, and I really want to stress that it it increases with inflation each and every year. And the surviving spouse might be eligible for survivor benefits. Yeah, and that's – I mean that – that's
1: fantastic. And and you said it's your ideal retirement plan, but obviously it shouldn't be your only, uh, because you've got the other two legs of the stool. So why is this so important?
2: Well, because social security isn't meant to replace a hundred percent of your income, a matter of fact, on on average, it only replaces about 40% of your pre-retirement income. You have to get it right. Mm -hmm. And, and for those high income earners, that replacement ratio will be much less. And for the lower income earners, that replacement ratio is gonna be a bit higher. So the other legs of the stool become really important. So I think what's really helpful as we're, as we're describing social security and its features is, is to dive into those basics, make sure people understand how it's structured and the choices that people have. All right, sounds good. So. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that Social Security just isn't a savings plan; it's really a compact between generations. A- a the current working generation and the employer pays the Social Security taxes, mm-hmm. and these tax payments are used to pay Social Security benefits to, to the generation that's currently retired or or is currently disabled because there are disability benefits associated with uh, Social Security. Mm-hmm. So while some people question the future viability of this system, I believe that this societal pact is going to continue, although changes to taxes are, and benefits are, are most likely. So, future generations of workers and retirees are likely to see higher Social Security taxes and lower lifetime benefits, but that's really up to Congress to determine, and we don't know how that'll play out over time. Yeah, and I think that it's important
1: to remember that Uh, people in Congress want to be reelected, right? They they like their jobs, or at least they like the pay from their jobs. So they're going to do a lot to make sure that social security is there because I think it's pretty much decades long running. Senior citizens are the highest turnout for voters. And so if you've got a bunch of seniors that are concerned about their social security getting cut or their benefits being cut or their taxes being raised, I think politicians are going to do what
2: they can to make sure they're happy. I think you're absolutely right. And that's why I think for those that are, are retired or approaching retirement now, I suspect that what they see now is probably what they're going to get, but we just don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: So currently the social security and Medicare taxes total of 15.3% of your income. And this tax is split between you and your employer. Okay. If, and if you're self-employed, you'll pay, you pay the full amount. Mm-hmm. So you become eligible for social security benefits if you've worked for about 10 years. Your social security benefit at full retirement age, and that's an important phrase, I'll use that a lot today. Okay. Your benefit at full retirement age is, is calculated based upon your indexed or inflation adjusted earnings looking back over the last 35 years it's subject to an annual income cap. And in 2019, that cap is $133,000. Okay. So the, just if you're looking at the maximum social security benefit for a worker retiring at full retirement age in 2019, it's $2,861 per month, or a little more than $34,000 per year. And mm-hmm. for a tour or family at that maximum social security income cap, this would translate into a a social security benefit at full retirement age of more than $68,000. That's significant.
1: Yeah. When you said 35 years, you're talking about the 35 years of working, even if there was gaps in there. um, Yes. So it's not just the last 35 years. It could be the last 50 years worth of work, but 35 of those years is what they count and it's the highest. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Okay.
2: Yep. So, a year or two of of lower earnings or missed earnings really are not going to make that much of a difference for your workers who have worked for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. All right. So, full retirement age is the year you qualify for full benefits. And this year, this age is dependent upon your year of birth. And if you were born between 1943 and 1954, your full retirement age is 66 and if you were born between 1955 and 1959, your full retirement age is, is between ages 66 and two months and 66 and 10 months. Hmm. And uh, just to round it out, if you're born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. So that, it, those just important, it's important to know your, your date of birth to determine your full retirement age. And you can choose to take Social Security benefits before or after your full retirement age. So you can take you can't take hmm. it earlier than age sixty two. And frankly, there's no advantage of delaying until after age seventy. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Yep. So taking benefits prior to, to the full retirement age means you'll receive a reduced benefit. If your full retirement age is 67, there's a 30% haircut if you start taking benefits at age 62. So, a, a real significant reduction. Mm-hmm. If you defer or delay taking benefits until age 70, your benefits will be 24% higher. So, and benefits don't increase beyond age 70. Oh, they don't. I thought they no. went up 8% every year. No. So, so there's just – you really – if, you, if you're deferring or delaying, you're no better off to, to delay beyond age 70. Got
1: it. Okay. So it's just for the first three years is what you're saying. It's from three or 60. Three four years, yeah. Yeah, 67 to, to 70. But it's yep. 8% each year. Exactly. That's, wow.
2: That's, that's, a, that's big. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, so, of course, the drawback of delaying benefits is that you're foregoing benefits in the interim. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't have those dollars coming in. And, uh, but there's another drawback of, of taking benefits prior to f- full retirement age. If you continue to work, your benefits will, will be reduced by a dollar for every $2 in earnings above a little bit less than $18,000 in 2019. So benefits hmm. aren't reduced if, if, even if you continue to work past your full retirement age. Got it. Okay. So those of you that are, you know, if you're considering retirement at age 62, or at least drawing down your Social Security, starting to take it, you have to consider whether you, your, your objective or your need is to continue working. And if it, it is, um, that could make a serious uh, difference in your actual income from Social Security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the most meaningful Social Security benefits is the spousal benefit and if you've never worked or if your benefit is less than 50% of your spouse's full retirement age benefit you will receive a spousal benefit so that hmm. means your your benefit will will be at least 50% of your spouse's benefit at full retirement age at least okay so just it's just as an example if your spouse's full retirement age benefit is $2,500 per month and your Full retirement age benefit is a thousand per month based on your earnings your total benefit at full retirement age will actually increase to one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars or fifty percent of your spouses okay is that something that you
1: actually have to apply for or is it automatically given to you because social security
2: knows you're married and, and they know social security knows you're married and it's automatic oh great um, you, you may qualify for a spousal benefit from a previous spouse as well. So to qualify, you must have been married for 10 or more years, and you must be currently unmarried and over age 62. So the ex-spouse never needs to know or doesn't, isn't involved in the process, but you are eligible for a spousal benefit even fr- from a, a previous spouse. Interesting.
1: So let me ask you this. You said they have to be currently unmarried and they have to be over 62. So let's say nice young lady at 65 years old decides, or she's taking a spousal benefit from a previous spouse and then decides to get married. Does that get canceled out?
2: Yeah, eventually. Oh, um, okay. Eventually it will get canceled out, right.
1: And so then they would only be eligible for either their own or half of their current spouse's benefit.
2: Yeah. Okay. Got it. Surviving spouses and surviving ex-spouses and other family members may qualify for different levels of these survivor benefits. So with married spouses, the higher of the two social security benefit lives on when one spouse passes away. Mm -hmm. So back to that same example, uh, Jane receives $2,500 per month of social security benefits and Fred receives $1,250 per month. At Jane's death, Fred will now receive a total survivor benefit of two thousand five hundred dollars per month. Got it. Okay, so his or
1: the household income still goes down, but it only goes down one thousand two hundred fifty, as opposed to losing out on Jane's twenty five hundred per month. Yep. Okay. Well, exactly. that's best of a bad scenario, I suppose. But yeah, that, that's good. Yeah.
2: And, but think about that that especially if there's a big age difference between spouses mm-hmm. uh, that can make a huge difference and I'll I'll, I'll talk a little bit, bit more about that all right uh, one of the most important features of social securities uh, social securities I mentioned it earlier is the annual cost of living adjustment it's currently based on the consumer price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers it's it's important to know specifically what that CPI index is mm-hmm. Uh, because Congress is considering uh, changing that. These increases are really applicable for all benefits, including spousal and survivor benefits. And uh, it makes a huge difference. So recent COLA increases have been low, because we've seen low inflation. But in 2018, it, it increased by 2%. And in 2019, it went up by 2.8%. Mm,
1: okay.
2: And so while those numbers seem low, if you're thinking about that compounding over 20 and 30 years after you start taking social security, it can make a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, with all the ins and
1: outs and all the different information that you have on social security specifically, and then all the other things you do, how does social security uh, fit from a financial planning perspective?
2: Yeah, I think that's the rub. Um, First, let's review this, this ideal retirement plan it's guaranteed lifetime tax advantage monthly income mm-hmm. with annual cost of living adjustments. You don't need to worry about market volatility when it comes to your social security benefit. You can't outlive it and it keeps up with inflation. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. And, you know, even if it's not replacing a hundred percent of your, your actual uh, pre-retirement income, that's something you, c- you can really count on and, and is important. I, I think the real dilemma f- dilemma for most retirees is that we don't know how long we'll need income, mm-hmm. which when I say that, I mean, we don't know how many years we'll be around. Yeah. If we retire at age 65 and di- and die at age 75, well, that's only 10 years of income planning that we need to be concerned about. But what happens if you live into your 80s or 90s? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just much easier to plan for 10 years of retirement than it is to plan for 20 or 30 years. And as we age, the risk of living with serious health care issues increases dramatically, and, and so do expenses so from a retirement planning perspective, I think you have to consider your life expectancy mm-hmm. it, and ask yourself the question: is there a reasonable chance you might live into your late 70s or early 80s? It, you know is your current health good? Do you take good care of yourself? Do you have family members that have lived into their Late seventies and eighties, and if these answers are are, are yes, um, I think you should think about a retirement plan that lasts twenty five or even thirty years beyond uh, sixty five, seventy.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: And if if you are considering that, and that's part of your calculation, and we think it for mo- for most people, it should be. Uh, You may want to consider delaying the start of Social social Security benefits beyond full retirement age, Mm -hmm. if you can do it. For example, if you you delay until age 70 and live into your early 80s, your total benefits will be significantly higher than if you took benefits at full retirement age or even earlier. Mm -hmm. So, think of delaying Social Security as a hedge against longevity or living too long. It's a gamble. We don't really know how long we're going to live, but we have to look at our circumstance and our situation and make the best judgment we can. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's also a good hedge against inflation. So, your benefits, if you defer taking it beyond full retirement age, your benefits are going to increase by 8% per year because you've delayed beyond your full retirement age, plus your benefits will increase with inflation. Mm. And this compounding effect can make a big difference on your total benefits, yeah, so you know you add two uh, percent to eight percent that that's a ten percent increase, yeah. and then the next year you add another two point eight percent that's another significant increase, so it really does make a difference
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think the big issue for for many of our clients is they want they they actually want to retire from work prior to age seventy but they feel anxious about taking money out of the retirement and non-retirement accounts prior to taking social security. So frankly, it's hard for a lot of people to go from being a, a, a lifetime accumulator and saver to a spender. They just don't want to spend their money, especially if Social Security is there and, and ready to send a check. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But part of this planning process that we take our clients through is to really review cash flow, help them figure out how they can manage if they delay taking Social Security benefits. You know, where do they get the money from? And assuming they live into their 80s, frankly, it's, it's usually a good thing to do as we, look, as we think about their total overall asset planning and net worth. Yeah. So, if the older spouse, who's often the husband, has a larger projected Social Security benefit, delaying Social Security can really make a big difference for the younger spouse, Mm. who's often the wife. Uh, Women have a longer life expectancy than men. And at the husband's death, the surviving spouse will receive the higher Social Security benefits. And again, back to that compounding, this can just make a huge difference if the spouse lives another 10 or 15 years.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that'll be a major difference for the the surviving spouse. And I want to go back just for a second and ask you a question. Peter, when you talk to your clients about this, when are you having this conversation to prepare them to, to be able to say, Okay, you know, when are you thinking you want to take Social Security, looking at your plan, this is what I suggest. And if your suggestion is to wait till they're 70, do you tell them, okay, at at 55 years old, you're going to start saving an extra thousand dollars a month, put it into a bank account so that you can live off of that for a couple of years with some other income that you're going to have so that you can
2: delay Social Security? Or when does that conversation happen? It usually happens post age 50. That's when we're really zeroing in on on these decision points. Mm -hmm. Clients don't need to make the decision until they decide to take it. So they got plenty of time. Um, Most of our clients that we're working with uh, have resources. They've got retirement accounts, IRAs, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. employer-sponsored plans. And and more often than not, they have uh, non-retirement assets that they can tap into as well between the the time they actually retire and the time they actually start taking Social Security benefits.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking, because I know it, it also is affected by every month, correct? It's not just a year. Oh, yeah. Each month Every you delay. Month. I, I'm thinking if I get to that point and it's close, it's down to the wire, I'm eating top ramen, right? I'm going to <laughs> go top ramen and water and maybe some Kool Aid if I want to splurge just to get me a few more months to increase that benefit. I think that'd be, I think that's, that's my plan. Well, yeah, if good. I have to.
2: <laughs> I think the other thing, you can have an objective of taking Social Security at age 70, you know, delaying until then. Mm-hmm. But if something happens with, with, to your health, uh, prior to that, true. you can always change. Yeah, that's true. You can always start taking it. Okay, All right. So um, for, for some clients, it may be best to take uh, these benefits at full retirement age or even earlier. So you have to be realistic about your life expectancy. And it may be less due to a, a, an existing medical condition. Or they just can't really afford to delay mm-hmm. uh, because they don't have sufficient assets that can be drawn down prior to, to age 70. And then I'll say we also have clients where they just want to take Social Security benefits as soon as possible, even if they can afford to delay. They just aren't confident about how long they'll be around. They're concerned about potential changes to Social Security, and they just want to take it. They, mm-hmm. It helps them sleep at night. Yeah. And frankly, for a lot of these people, whether they, they take it uh, at 65, 67, or 70, they're still going to be just fine from a planning perspective. Yeah. Um, There are some other uh, planning considerations depending upon your age. Uh, Legislation in, in 2015 put an end to some really beneficial strategies, one called file and suspend and the other called deemed filing. I won't go into great detail here, but if you turned age 62 prior to the end of 2015, you still might be able to take advantage of the deemed filing strategy and this allows you to file and receive the spousal benefit while allowing benefits on your work record to continue to grow. Hmm. So basically taking the spousal benefit and still getting the higher benefit at age 70. Wow. Okay. Got it. So not everyone's eligible to do that, but um, it's it's something to consider. Okay. I'm going to throw
1: you a curveball, Peter. You ready? I'll try. All right. As you were talking, I was thinking about this. So let's say I've got a wife that is 15 years younger than I am. All right. I've waited till my full retirement age and it's, I'm, I'm taking my social security at 70 years old and it's 2,500 bucks a month, just as like our previous example. And I live until 71 and then I kick it. Right. So my wife is 56 at that point, if she's 15 years younger at 56, does she get my social security or does she have to wait until she's. 60, you know, 60, uh, full retirement age or
2: 62, or how's that work? Great question. Uh, she's probably best off if she can afford to wait until her full retirement age. Okay. So,
1: but at 56 years old, would she even be eligible for, to get mine? No, n- not at that
2: point. Oh, okay. So she, yeah. she would have to wait either way. Yes. She'd have to wait. Yep. Okay. So, but, but she, she'll, she'll maximize her benefit if she waits until
1: her full retirement age oh, so it doesn't matter that I waited till my full retirement age and beyond. If I waited till 70 and it increased my benefit to $2,500 or whatever, if she were to try to take it at 62, it would revert back? She
2: would get benefits at age 62. I believe uh, survivor benefits started at age 60, actually. Oh, okay. Um, but it would be lower. It would be higher if she waited until her full retirement age, assuming that would be uh, 66, 67. Okay, so
1: spousal benefits still depend on the surviving spouse's age of retirement, not when, when I started taking or the, the spouse had passed away.
2: Right, but they're calculated based upon the highest benefit amount.
1: Got it, yep, yep, okay. All right, that's good to know because I, I wasn't sure if that would just be an automatic thing or, or not. So that's yep. good good information. And
2: that's, that's part of planning is, especially for those situations where the spouse is significantly younger, uh, you want to make sure there's enough cash flow between the death of the older spouse and the point in time where the younger spouse is eligible to take social security and work, yeah. what's best for the family.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because I can imagine if we were bringing in, or if I was bringing in 2,500 a month as a you know 70 year old retiree, and then the next year I died and she can't take those benefits until you know 60 or, or beyond. In our example, that'd be a four year gap where she just immediately lost $2,500 in income per month. That That's a yeah. huge hit. Yeah. All right. What else do we need to cover today?
2: Yeah, I think the key to Social Security planning is really is to make sure your decisions fit into your overall plan. We can consider life expectancy, tax planning, income needs, living expenses. I strongly recommend that you spend some time reviewing your annual statement from Social Security. It's it's full of really good information. And if you want to confirm that they have your accurate earnings information because that can also affect your overall Social Security benefits. I've seen mistakes on the Social Security statements. Uh, if you don't have a copy, go to the Social Security's website. It's, it's SSA.gov. You need to register with the website and request a current statement. It's really, it's again, it's full of really good information, and I think we'll will help you understand how how, and what your benefits might be at certain points in time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for those that are interested in going to ssa.gov to get that, please be sure to have a lot of your financial information in front of you. I personally went about a month ago and, and jumped on there. I wanted to take a look. And they ask pretty in-depth questions based on your financial history. So you put your social security number in there so they can see who they're talking to. And I missed a few of the questions like, who did I lease my minivan from 17 years ago? <laughs> I don't remember the company name. So I did not get in. I got locked out of it because I had a couple questions that I got wrong because I just didn't remember the lending company. So those types of documents you might want to have in front of you for when they ask that on the site uh, so you can put in the correct information and, and actually gain access to your paperwork. I was a little bit surprised that they asked those questions, Peter. I was like, wait a second. How am I supposed to remember that? They want to make sure it's you. They do. And I I, I appreciate that, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, now a I got to- really
2: It's a really good website. Yeah, and
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Peter, thank you so much for your time today. And if you have questions for Peter, he likes to be put on the spot like I did today. So just give him a call. Peter, how can they reach you?
2: You certainly call me at uh, 617-728-7433. That's my direct line. Or send me an email at peter.raskin at lfg.com. Or you can always uh, look at our website, raskinplanning.com as well. Fantastic. Thanks again for your time, Peter. Thanks. All right. And thank you all for
1: listening to the wealth is in the details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below this way. When Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today for everyone at Raskin planning group. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors, securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.